And that's from Psalm 40, and Noel will read that passage for us. Thanks, Noel. Um, psalm 40, if, if you're looking for the Psalms, they're around the middle of your Bible, but this is Psalm 40, should be up on the screen as well. Psalm 40. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is a man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Many, O Lord, my God, are the wonders you have done. The things you plan for us no one can recount to you. Were I to speak and tell of them, there would be too many to declare. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but my ears you have pierced. Burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require. Then I said, Here I am, I have come. It is written about me in the scroll. I desire to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. I proclaim righteousness in the great assembly. I do not seal my lips, as you know, O Lord. I do not hide your righteousness in my heart. I speak of your faithfulness and salvation. I do not conceal your love and your truth from the great assembly. Do not withhold your mercy from me, O Lord. May your love and your truth always protect me. For troubles without number surround me. My sins have overtaken me and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head and my heart fails within me. Be pleased, O Lord, to save me. O Lord, come quickly to help me. May all who seek to take my life be put to shame and confusion. May all who desire my ruin be turned back in disgrace. May those who say to me, Aha, aha, be appalled at their own shame. But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation always say, The Lord be exalted. Yet I am poor and needy. May the Lord think of me. You are my help and my deliverer. O oh my God, do not delay. Well, friends, let's uh, come to this God in prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can wait patiently upon you, Lord. We thank you for the assurance we have that you hear the cries of your people. And Father, we pray that as we look at your word, Lord, that you would minister to our hearts. That we will be strengthened in you, Lord, the rock of ages.
now and always. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, friends, this morning, I want to look at this topic, Who is your rock? Who is your rock? Just this past week, um, we went for a function, the Scotch College Foundation Day concert, the Hema Hall. And at the end of the program, uh, they sang uh, this song, Always Look on the Bright Side of Life. Always look on the bright side of life. And uh, I was coming down uh, the escalator, and uh, one of the fathers I've never met before, I just briefly introduced myself to him, and I said, wasn't that great that the, 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 the evening could conclude with that uh, great uh, song, Always Look on the Bright Side of Life? And he said to me, yes, Chris. Uh, we introduced ourselves and said, yes. I, I was thinking about the boys. I was thinking about our sons who were up there on the stage and singing and performing and everything else. And what kind of future would they have in this world? With all the trauma, the chaos, uh, the fightings. We witnessed them all through our t- uh, television sets, seen all of the, the chaos that's going around us. Uh, what is the future for our boys? A good question, isn't it? Is there a bright future? Uh, and so we got talking, we engaged in the conversation. And I thought to myself, yes, uh, at, at the foremost people's minds, it's the question, what is happening in this world? Is there... Can we look at things from a brighter perspective? What is happening perhaps in our own lives? How could we look at the bright side of things when things are not the same perhaps in our own lives? And I'm not in any shape or form trivializing the challenges that confronts any individual here this morning to say, okay, look at the bright side of things. It just simply doesn't work. But in this, in this psalm, David is in a dark spot. Is in a place that he does not want to be. He is in a pit. And he is stuck in there. And there are cries coming out from this situation. And there is a song that comes out as well. And so this morning, I just want us to keep our Bibles open to, to Psalm 40. And I'll focus on verses 1 to 3 as our text for this morning. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock, gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in Him. And in these verses, friends, this morning, uh, we see what God did for David. And we'll look at four aspects here this morning. Uh, see that God heard his cry for help. God lifted him out of, from the pit. God placed his feet on a rock. And God put a new song in his mouth. Four things that we see out here incredibly being worked out in this psalm. And what we see here is God, Jehovah God, at work in this situation. So God heard David's cry for help. The psalmist says that he waited patiently for the Lord. The word there is to wait. The word here for patient means to hope. It means to expect. It means to look eagerly. It means to wait expectantly. 
That's the, the, the meaning of the, the original word in this passage. It is not to be in a hurry. It is to wait patiently. And waiting is never easy. Is it easy to wait? By nature, uh, we want things almost instantaneously, don't we? Uh, we have instant communication today with social media. You might be, I'm sure you're not doing this, but you might be texting or you might be looking on your iPhone, internet. I don't, I'm sure you're not doing it. I'm sure you're not doing that. Uh, we're going to cut all communications from you. No phone communications from me. No, but you know what I mean, right? So we, we, we want we instant communications. It's happening all the time. The texting is coming. We're in, in this big social media world, people expect answers instantaneously. You send an email, you expect an answer within 20 minutes. Kind of. The general rule, apparently. It doesn't work with me. <laughs> but people expect answers. Uh, instant meals. I mean, you go to the supermarket. I mean, I don't do so much shopping, but yesterday I went with Sean and we looked at things and I was quite kind of amazed. And I bought stuff and I filled the, the basket and it cost me such a lot of money. And I came home and said to Rose, Gee, that, that cost me so much. He said to me, oh, I hope you do more shopping, Chris. <laughs> you know that the cost of living has gone up. <laughs> right. And I just had a look at, this, uh, at, the, at the supermarket and the instant foods that are available. So much. Why do you have to spend so many hours in the kitchen to get this thing, put it in the microwave, and it's all there, right? So it's kind of easy to expect things from, if we apply that now in our own lives, in the context of God as well, and faith, it's quite possible for us to expect things from God almost straight away, rather than waiting on Him. Perhaps you've been praying about a situation in your life, and you find yourself waiting for a breakthrough, and it has not come. Are you wondering why the answer hasn't come as yet? Do you feel as though victory is passing you by and you're running out of patience? Should we wait on God? And so how do we wait on God? John Piper, uh, commenting on this, uh, makes, makes the point. He says, uh, uh, he says this, let me get that. Right. Uh, waiting for the Lord means, first of all, then looking to the Lord. It means also consulting or seeking his will before any human aid is pursued. In short, we wait for the Lord when we pause to pray before we act. It says in Psalm 106 verse 13, They soon forgot his works. They did not wait for his counsel. So waiting on God is to seek God's counsel, John Piper says, in prayer. And speaking further, he makes the point, and it should go without saying, that when we wait for God's counsel, we are submissive and open to it. We are not telling him what he must do. We are like patients phoning the doctor for advice on how to treat the rising pain. That's what it means to be waiting on God. Think of Daniel in the Old Testament. Have you read the book of Daniel? You see that, that Daniel was a guy who opened the doors, the windows towards Jerusalem. When he knew the decree had been signed by the king, he opened the windows towards Jerusalem and he prayed as he had done before. On his knees, praying, waiting for God to do a work. Nehemiah, with the rebuilding of the walls, he waited upon the Lord. 
And notice what happens here in our text here uh, this morning. You see this, that the text tells us that the Lord turned. Isn't that what we see here? Look at uh, your Bibles in, in Psalm 40. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. The word translated for turn means to incline. It means to stretch out or to extend. One translation has it this way. It means he bent down to me. It's a picture. I was thinking about this. It's like uh, a father. You have your little kids. And they're talking to you. And you bend down to hear them. It doesn't happen with me now. I have to. It's different. (laughs) But when the kids were small. Tell me what you say. Now I have got to. Anyway. You know what I mean. Right. It's a picture of father just bending down and, 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 and listening, intently extending, stretching the ear to ear. What do you want, child? What can I do for you? How can I help you? How can I hold your hand and, and take you step by step? Just stretch out. You see, the Lord heard his cry for help. And what a comforting thought to know that just the, that the Lord turned to David, heard his prayer, the Lord also turns to us and he stretches out. He bends down as it were to hear whose cries? Yours and mine. What a beautiful picture, isn't it? The Lord heard his cry for help. And even though the answer may not be what we are looking for, the fact is that the Lord does hear our cries. Do you, do you believe that? Yeah? Yes. That's good. That's good. You see, God does turn. He does incline. He does bend down to the the cries of His people. And as our Father, He hears us. And as our Father, He cares for us. And on this Father's Day, to all fathers here this morning, you know how much you care for your children. Imagine how our great Father cares for us. (laughs) Earthly fathers fail. We know that. We just had the shocking news this past week, isn't it? A father who killed his two children, two girls. But our our heavenly father is not like that. He cares better than our earthly fathers. And notice the way God answered his prayer. You see, the Bible, the psalmist says here, God lifted him up out from the pit. He lifted me out from the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. And he set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. And I just want to look at the first aspect here of God lifting him up from this pit. David says that God lifted him up from the pit of the translation. The word is destruction. of The pit of devastation. The pit that was in uproar. This pit was a terrible place to be in. You see, pits were very common and used for many purposes at the time. For example, the prophet Jeremiah. You remember what happened to Jeremiah? (laughs) He prophesied against God's people. He said that Jerusalem is going to be under attack. And what did they do to to Jeremiah? What did they do to Jeremiah? (laughs) So they took Jeremiah and put him into the cistern of 
Malkijah, the king's son, which was in the courtyard of the guard, they lowered Jeremiah by the ropes into the cistern. It had no water in it, only mud, and Jeremiah sank down into the mud. Thankfully, he was lifted up and pulled out of the pit. Now, when we think about pits, friends, we also know that pits have developed figurative meanings. For example, we say, I am down in the, in the dumps. You use that phrase? Or maybe you're never down in the dumps. So this might not be applicable to you, but there are times that we're down in the dumps. Yeah. Um, and pits can be a symbol as a place from which God delivers his people. And here in this psalm, the pit is used as a metaphor for David was not literally in a pit. We really don't know what circumstances that David was facing at this point in time. Whatever it was, it was not a nice situation or place for David to be in. And Dr. Montgomery Boyce commenting on the pit in this psalm goes on to give us a few examples. I will like, highlight three of his examples and add a couple myself. He mentions uh, these three things. The pit of sin. He says you can be in the pit of sin. You see, David knew what that was. Remember, he committed the sin of adultery with Bathsheba. He paid a very heavy price for that. This was David's own doing. You see, you can get yourself into a pit because of your or my sin against God. Our rebellion against God might take us down to a pit, to a dark place. The second thing that Montgomery Boy says is, the pit of defeat. That is, this he calls the pit of personal defeat. Be it at home, at school, or work, or in relationships, you feel defeated. And you feel dejected. And you're in that pit. And it's hard to get out. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been in the pit of defeat? Then the pit of bad, the third one he mentions is the pit of bad habits. He says maybe due to, uh, he says this, such as addiction to drugs or to laziness or uncontrolled temper, or patterns of self-pity. And you are there in that pit. Speaking of drugs, we are hit with a terrible influence of drugs in our society. I was at the police chaplain's conference this past, uh, last week, an intensive course. It was pretty full on uh, at the academy. And one of the sessions was on drugs. And I asked for the notes. Or hopefully we can have one of the inspectors come in and speak to us on this issue. It's such a massive issue in our society. We, we're perhaps kind of, we, don't, we don't know these things. We perhaps live a very secluded life. But out there in the community, it's a massive issue. Hundreds of, of parcels are detected almost every week of drugs coming into our nation. You see, and people are addicted to it. And they are stuck in that pit. And we ask, what is going on? How can I come out of that? How can I come out from the pit of alcoholism in my life? I had a guy... Uh, when we were, I was minister in Sri Lanka and the man was there next, next to the church, I was a soft touch. Uh, Rose always said to me, Chris, they come and say, some stop story, and I 
pull out my money and give the money. And at nine o'clock, I used to have this guy come every nine o'clock in the morning. And I talked to him at the gate, and his mouth was smelling with alcohol at nine in the morning. And I had so many chats with him. He never came out of it. And I still kept giving money to go and buy some food. You see, bad habits. What about the bad habits in our own lives? Are you, are you grappling with something? Are you in the pit there? Is there something that is really holding you down there? And I've added just a couple more. What about the pit of despair? Maybe due to a relationship breakdown in your life. You're finding it hard to get out of that pit because it's a brokenness. And it's wearing you down. And that pit is pulling you down. And you're just stuck in the mud. And stuck in the mire. And no, no, no rock. No place to put your feet on. Sad, isn't it? What about the pit of hopelessness in life? You see, one can be there in that pit in a state of utter and total hopelessness. And lost the sense of the purpose for living. I've just given... Two other extra pits of life. You know, you, you might have some other pits that you might have. What is your slimy pit in your life, in my life? As I was preparing this talk, I, I said, Lord, show me my slimy pit in my own life. Because there are many times that I've been there in the pit. <laughs> Even though I'm a believer in Christ. I mean, the psalmist here, he believed in God, Right? And yet he was in the pit. So Christians are not exempt from at times being in the pit. And sometimes we go through the pit because we come out stronger. (laughs) Do you see that? Is there hope of getting out of this pit, friends? Whatever that pit might be in your life, the answer is yes. The answer is, what is it? Yes. It's not with the do-it-yourself kit. Right? It's God doing something here. God and you at work together. Coming out of this pit. And that's what the psalmist is doing here. He's praying. He's exercising his faith. He's exercising his trust. Do you notice that? He's not sitting there in the pit. He's not literally in the pit, but in, in that place. He's not sitting there and doing nothing. He's engaging, right? He's engaging with God. He's communicating. He's engaging. He's waiting. He's acting. He's putting his faith. He's putting his trust. He's crying out. So there is the human responsibility and the divine sovereignty. And somehow these two are working together. And God and the psalmist is working. And the end result we see in a moment what's going to take place. So don't just sit there in that pit. You start crying out. You start waiting. Exercising your faith in this God. And say, God, lift me out of this miry, dirty, filthy, devastating pit that I'm in. How did David get out from this horrible pit? Notice David says that God... God, he delivered me from this horrible pit, this dark, deep, dark pit with tumultuous force, a row. 
Symbolically, David, as I said, is in this horrible place. He was on miry clay that did not have a rock to stand on. And David finds himself to be in such distress, lost and lonely. And what did he do? Waited. The Lord, and this is the Lord's goodness to David. I want us to see that here. The Lord showed his grace to David. God could have left David to wallow in that pit. And said, good on you, David. You deserve it. You stay there in that pit. No. He was gracious. And that's the goodness of God. Is, is God not good? I mean, he's so good, is he not? He's a good God. And we see the goodness of God coming out. We see the kindness of God. We see the compassion of God. We see the grace of God in lifting you up from a pit. Have you been there? In the pit? Discouragement? Maybe health issues have taken you to a place that you can't get out of? It's affected your life, your family, your friends, your relationships, your work? God comes. See, he did not leave David there. David put his trust and faith in the living God. And God answered and he says, he brought me up, says David. You see, God is in the business of picking us up and setting our feet outside of the pit. See, this is true of all of us Christians. We fall, we stumble, our feet nearly slip. Life at times can be the pits, so to speak. Life has its up moments and its down moments. Yes, we praise God for the up moments in life, right? And we can sing and celebrate and praise God. And we also thank God when the times are down. When the down moments come, He does not leave us. Let us not forget God's kindness. He's in the business of deliverance. And then, the text says here, God placed His feet on a... Where is it? On a rock. David says, He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire, and He set my feet on a rock. And He gave me a firm place to stand. What a wonderful picture is this. What, what are we to make of the rock here? See, a rock is solid. It is a firm place to stand on. As a family, we, we, we go to Aries Inlet for, uh, for our holidays usually. We try and do that as many times, well, once a year anyway, um, uh, in January. And uh, I go out for my walks there in the mornings. And sometimes we go together as, uh, as a family. And if you go in the evenings, the tide's coming in. You know the place? It's coming and the waters are dashing. And I stand on the rock. And I enjoy that because I know, man, oh man, I'm not a strong swimmer. And the waters come here. I'm alright. I'm on the rock. I don't want my foot to slip from this rock. And it gives me that security uh, to know that I'm on a rock. It's solid. It's not going to put me down easily. Right? Have you been there? Have you, have you, we stood on a rock at times, in the, by the side of the, in, the, in the beach, and just watched the waters crashing in. Boom! Such a nice feeling, isn't it? See, what is this rock that we see here, friends? The rock does not move. 
It is immovable against the mighty forces of the crushing waters. And the psalmist says, God took him out of the slimy destructive pit and placed his feet not on mud, but on a rock. And what is this rock? Now, there is something deeper here in this psalm, and I want us to see that this morning very quickly. See, in the Old Testament passages, in, in Exodus chapter 17 and verse 6, Moses said this to the people, I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb, strike the rock, God said to Moses, uh, and water will come out. From the rock and people will drink it. So Moses did it in the sight of the elders. I'll come back to that in a moment. All that thought for a moment about the rock. Daniel chapter 2. We have an incredible story there. Of Daniel chapter 2. And I want us to see that this morning. Where Daniel tells Nebuchadnezzar the king what the king dreamt. Right? And let me get that to... Uh, um, to, to Daniel chapter 2. So, this is the context. You can look at Daniel chapter 2 later on. Uh, the, the king had a dream, Nebuchadnezzar, and he called all these astrologers, but they couldn't tell him what the dream was. He called Daniel, and Daniel said this, while you were watching, what was it? What happened there? Want to read it? A rock was cut out, but not by human hands. Alright? Just see that for a moment. A rock was cut out, but not by human hands. He struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay, clay, and smashed them. And then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were all broken to pieces and became like chaff on a threshing floor in the summer. The wind swept them away without leaving a trace. But the rock that struck the statue, what happened to this rock? Eh? It became a huge mountain. And filled the whole earth. Who is this rock, friends? You see, David says, he sets my feet upon a rock. You see, the Exodus reference to the rock is what we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Where Moses says, and Paul says, this rock is, who is it? Did you follow that passage? 1 Corinthians chapter 10. This rock is Christ. Do you see that? See, this is the rock. You see, my feet has almost slipped. He brought me up and he put my feet on the rock. You see, that rock, friends, for us today is our Lord, is our Jesus. This psalm is also, it's not messianic in that sense, but it does have, we can see that kind of connection. This is the rock we need, the rock of salvation. No doubt we are living in challenging times. We have crisis upon crisis. Who do you and I turn to in such times? What is the future for God's people? God will protect his people in his son. This is Jesus. And our savior Jesus. Right? This, Daniel says this, isn't it? The rock that struck the statue became a huge mountain and filled the whole earth. And that is Jesus coming in and ushering the kingdom. And the church being built up in Christ. But more than that. Our Savior Jesus went to the pit. Alright? He left heaven and came into the pit of sin, so to speak, in this world. He came down from heaven as the sinless Savior. And Jesus was cast down to the pit. And Jesus knew what it meant to be rejected. Jesus knew what it meant to be betrayed. Have you ever been betrayed? Jesus knew what it was to be lonely. Remember the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus knew what it was to have tears when he cried at the funeral of Lazarus. 
And he cried in the garden of Gethsemane. Jesus knew, knew and he knows what suffering is. Because he came down to that pit. But what happened to Jesus, friends? He went to the cross, was crucified. And there he was nailed to take our sin, the pit of sin. And in his resurrection, we heard about that this morning, the kids talk, new bodies, Noel and and Paul will get new bodies, and all of us will get new bodies. We'll never get tired anymore. It's like, that'll be fantastic, isn't it? When God gives us a new body. No more aches, no more pains, no more arthritis, no more doctor's visits, no more cancers, nothing. Man, we'll wait for that day. Until such a day comes, you know, Jesus has conquered everything. And the pit that was there, that he went into the pit, the tomb was broken open. And Christ came out victorious from the pit of death and hell. Do you see that? Why? To give you and myself victory for life. Victory to live today. Victory for the future. An optimism for God's work in your life. God is at work in you and He will bring things to completion in your life and mine. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah? You excited about that? Do you see God's hand at work in your life? Do you see the pits that you've been through? And how many times you've been there and has not God lifted you up? Has he not? I see quite a few heads shaking. Yes, it has. He has. This is the God we trust. This is the God that we put our faith and our hope and our confidence and clinging to this rock of ages. Nothing in my hands I bring. Anyone wants to complete that? But simply to the cross I cling. You see that? Nothing. Nothing in my hands I bring. Cling to you. That's the hope, friends. That's the hope that we have. The rock of ages. And notice further. You see, I want to ask you, who is your rock this morning? And then, David says this. He put a new song in my mouth. A song of praise to our God. Many will see and give praise to God. You see, friends, God puts a new song in us. A new song of hope. A new song of salvation. A new song to celebrate. Because he has called us from the pit. And you have come out from the pit. And he gives you a new song to sing, to praise, to give thanks to God for everything that he has done in your life. What kind of song are you singing this morning? What kind of song are you singing? Have you got a new song to sing? (laughs) In your heart today. In your mouth. What God has done for you. You see, God leads his people out of the miry clay, out of the, all of those things. He says, the psalmist says this in Psalm 18, He makes my feet like the feet of a deer, and he causes me to stand on the heights. You see, this is the first Sunday in spring, right? And I said to Rose, uh, she's, she's not well this morning, but I said, I said, darling, well, I hope uh, spring is in the air, that God gives us a spiritual spring in our life. 
You know what I mean? And he can do that. Do you trust him? Do you know this God? Do you have a new song to sing today? Do you look back and say, God, I was in this horrible pit, but your grace has brought me out of it. (laughs) Because all I am, and all I have, is yours. There's nothing that I can do. It's all yours. I owe everything to you. Because of what you have done for me. And the psalmist ends here back as if he's back in a pit here again. And that's the future thing he says. Whenever I go through the pit in the future, he knows life will be challenging. Always come back to the rock. And he will give you strength. I don't know what you're going through in your life right now, friends. Maybe it's a challenging time in your own life. I want to encourage you to come to Jesus this morning. And commit fresh be refreshed by Christ today. Whatever that pit might be, I just pray. I just pray that God will lift you out of that and set your feet upon a rock and give you a new song in your mouth. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you promised to put our feet upon the rock of ages. In this life with all its ups and downs, with its illnesses that come our way, the multiple challenges. We thank you for the up moments in our lives and also for the down moments when you bring us back to yourself. I just pray that you be with your people here. If there's anyone who is down in a deep pit today, whatever that might be, Lord, that you would bring such a person to the feet, to the rock of ages. And if, as Christians, if there is someone who is not a Christian as yet today, I pray that today might be a new beginning to put his or her faith in Christ alone. In Jesus' name, Amen.